Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We are in the season between the Moedim now as we count onward towards the full festivals. And what better time to jump into a new section of the Torah. We are in the wilderness. Bar Midbar means in the wilderness. Midbar meaning wilderness. Bar Midbar, in the wilderness. The book of Numbers that you, um, it's called in the King Jimmy. Um, blessings to all of you. I hope that you are well. Some of you are recovering, myself also. But we are strong and Yahweh is with his people. And it is Shabbat, so greet one another down in the chat. Make those connections. If you're watching this later, give us thumbs up. Leave some comments in the comment section and visit the website, TorahToTheTribes.com. You can connect with other people all over the world by going forward slash connect and go onto the connect page. And there'll be all of our Zoom platforms. Shabbat Fellowship is a great place to start where you can break bread, drink coffee and fellowship with people all over the world every Shabbat. 9 Pacific Standard Time and make friends and make connections. It's truly, truly been blowing up and we are really blessed to see people making those connections. Greetings to you. Let's delve into the word together. The book of Bar Midbar Numbers. In chapter 1, I'll give you an overview. We have the first census of Israel. And then in chapter 2, we see the tribes and the leaders and the armies brought forth. Chapter 3, we have the sons of Aaron. What's really interesting, before I um, go any further, is the placement of the tribes in the camp. Of course, in the north, we have Dan, Asher, Nephtali. And in the east, we have Judah, Issachar and Zebulun. In the south, we have Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. And in the west, scattered out there in the west, yes, there we are, the ten northern tribes, commonly known as Ephraim, which encompasses in the tabernacle arrangement Manasseh and Benjamin. We are the tribes scattered abroad, and Yahweh is gathering you all together. What's fascinating to me in these last days is everybody was looking eastward, looking eastward for the house of Judah in the land of Israel amongst the Zionists, when truly Judah is over here in the Americas and scattered amongst us commonly called the African-American. And we've done a teaching on that. If you want to check out that teaching, I think it's called the Kingdom of Judah or the Migration of Judah. That's what it's called. So people are waking up the world over Ephraim and Judah coming back together by the hand of Messiah. We dive into chapter 3. We've got the sons of Aaron. We've got the Levites that, of course, serve in the tabernacle. And we have the census of the Levites that is commanded. You know, I'm always a little bit wary when the old census comes. I'm not one to fill out a census. You know, do what you will, but uh, me will not participate in a public controversy. Anyway... 
Therefore, we see in a little later in chapter 3, it doesn't take me long, does it, to get off on the conspiracy track. Just a word here or a word there, it just triggers me. Well, that's because we're in Mystery Babylon, but not of Mystery Babylon. And she is roaring, raring, and growing because it is about to be her climatic demise. And I feel that tension. I really do as a believer and being able to be aware of my surrounding. It's pretty amazing. Anyway, the Levites are dedicated instead of the firstborn. This is a ceremony, and I actually performed this ceremony when my son was, I think, 33 days old. The ceremony is called the Pidjan Ha Ben, the redemption of the firstborn. And I had several silver coins, and I redeemed my son Moshe to another believer, a Kohen, a priest, and he still has those coins today. All these years later, the redemption of the firstborn, it was a celebration and a service that I did with my son so many, many years ago because my firstborn was a male child. So what a blessing, what a blessing. I actually got to perform that. Um, in chapter 4, it goes on to the duties of the sons of Koath. And that's really where our portion this week ends. It's chapter 1, verse 1, extending all the way through to chapter 4, verse 20. And really, it should have kind of finished right about then, shouldn't it? Really. Should have been a very, very short book. They were not supposed to be Bamidbar in the wilderness for very long, were they? It was supposed to be a very short book. It should have just taken a few short weeks to get to the promised land. Instead of four chapters, we've got 36 whopping chapters that extend for a period of blooming 40 years. That's what happens if you get distracted. That's what happens if you do not endure. That's what happens if you give into this sickening flesh that is creeping and crawling and trying to distract you and I from everything that is righteous, everything that is good, and everything that is holy. A short journey can turn into the most arduous, arduous time of your life. And you're like, how did I get here? Well, you got into some golden calf idolatry, didn't you? Something like that. But, you know, Torah is relevant. This Torah portion is relevant. And it, it should make the mainstream church take pause. But it doesn't. Especially when you get scriptures that mention what we're actually delving into today. Why is it that the mainstream church just buzzed through it and didn't pay attention? When, in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, Torah is very relevant to the New Testament believer. I would not that you be ignorant that you drink the Kool-Aid and not pay attention. How that all of our fathers... Brethren, you need to identify with the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're not supposed to identify with your Western pastor. You're not supposed to identify with the Pope 
or the Church of England, the Archbishop of Canterbury. You're supposed to identify with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That they were all under a cloud, and they all passed through the sea. And they were all mikvahed, immersed, or baptized into Moshe in the cloud and in the sea. But with many of them, Yahweh was not well pleased, and they ended up in Bar Midbar for 40 years. Yahweh being not well pleased, they were overthrown in Bar Midbar, the wilderness. Now these things were to teach us prophetically how to be prepared for the last days or the age to come that the Bible talks about. Now these things happen, verse 11, to them for ensamples, and they were written as an admonition, that means pay attention, upon whom the end of the age has come. Are you that people? Well, 2,000 years ago they thought they were that people. How much more are you that people today? Do you see even more signs today than the signs that they saw back then? 2,000 years ago, they had an expectation that the end of the age had come. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it is written, But the end of all things is at hand. So don't give me a hard time when I go banging on about how the end of all things is at hand. But the end of all things is at hand, but yea, therefore be sober and watch unto prayer. The Torah is relevant. The book of Numbers, Bar Midbar, the experiences in the wilderness are very relevant to the New Testament church. So much so that it is mentioned and referenced to the Corinthians who were really struggling with their carnal nature as we often do in fact in hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 which is a very spiritual book it is written wherefore has the ruach hakodesh the holy ghost says today 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 not tomorrow not yesterday because today's all we've got. Today, will you hear his voice? Matthew, will you hear his voice today, or will you be so busy running to and fro, being stressed out, or this, that, and t'other? Today, Matthew, will you hear his voice? Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation by Midbar. You see, we miss it in the translation, because it says, in the wilderness. But it says right there, Bar Midbar, which every Hebrew would go, oh, Bar Midbar. And they'd go back to the book of Bar Midbar and they'd go, oh, this is very pertinent to how we're to live today as Messiah has resurrected. Post-resurrection, the book of Bar Midbar is extremely important and is supposed to be used as a teaching tool for those that live at the end of the age. I suggest that that's you. And me, of course. When your fathers tested me, they proved me, and they saw my works 40 years. Verse 10. Wherefore I was deeply grieved with that generation. And I said, you see, it's generational. It's a generation. It's not that you've slipped and fell yesterday. 
It's not that you possibly could be entrapped and slip and fall tomorrow. It is what will you do with the generation of your life? Are you going to be that generation that shifts and impacts so the next generation, your children, can shift and impact too? We are to look at our lives generationally and not get bogged down with the todays of our failings. Because there is no condemnation in Yahushua HaMashiach. And I struggle a lot myself, I must say, for not feeling worthy. Well, I'm not worthy. I'm only worthy in Him. And that does actually tend to, I think Yahweh uses it to keep me meek and humble. Because I'm constantly plagued by the man that I used to be. Even though that man is dead, man, he still wants to some kind of being out like a Michael Jackson movie and come up out of the ground and grab me and pull me back in or a zombie apocalypse. Anyway, let's focus. We're on verse 11. So I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest, but we want to enter into his Shabbat rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief. So these these people out here that are unbelief, what is the problem? It's the condition of man's heart. It is evil that breeds forth unbelief. In departing from the living Elohim, and they go after dead gods, because everything's religion. Greenpeace is a religion. This, this, this flag and that flag, it's a religion. Everybody's religious. Atheist is a religion. It's a belief system that people will fight for. It's a religion. They become their own gods of wood and stone. It's all idolatry. They love themselves. Self-idolatry. It's everything that's supposed to be turned outward is turned inward, which destroys the soul because we were created to worship. We were created to outward, which is all about general revelation as opposed to specific revelation, correct? Thank you. Just check and get my words muddled up here. Verse 13, we are to exhort one another daily while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin which leads unto death. For we are made to be partners, partakers, to be intimately connected and work with Moshiach as he works with us. It is an active process. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow doesn't exist. My belief cannot be in yesterday and my belief cannot be about some, oh, I believe that I'm going to get pre-tribulation raptured tomorrow. What a bunch of cock and bull. I think that's actually a drink, isn't it? My son likes that. What is that? He does, doesn't he? That's ginger beer, isn't it? Yeah. They got that from England, I'm sure, that phrase. Because it's cock and bull, and then there's a little bit that goes... Anyway, we're going to share. Because they are full of cock and bull. For we are made partakers of Mashiach, partners of Mashiach, if we hold beginning our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, Shema, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. The provocation is in the wilderness, is reflecting back to Bar Midbar. 
For some, when they heard, they did provoke. How bet? Not all that came out of Egypt by Moshe. It wasn't all of them. It was a whole generation that were spared. And it was a whole generation that had their head in the sands, that lined up, and they did everything that they were told to do. It was a generation. Generational shifting. But with whom he was grieved for 40 years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear that he would not enter into his Shabbat rest, but them that believe not. So we see that we could not enter in because of unbelief. We have got to come out of Egypt. We have got to come out of mystery Babylon. Now remember, as they were coming out of Egypt, it, like I said, it should have been smooth and short. Should have been a, four chapters would have been suffice to the book of Bamidbar. But we got 36 whoppers because it was trouble. And not many came out of it. And how many, how many times did they move? Every time they moved, two things happened. The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. 42 camping spots. Why? Because the last generation... I suggest we'll have to go through 42 months of trial and tribulation before we get into the promised land. Are we at that point right now of beginning the first leg of the journey? I believe that we are. That is why I am harping on about awakening and coming out of, and we'll get into it a little bit today, the petter, the petter. And you're like, what does that word mean? Well, I'm not going to tell you until we get there. It should have been a short book. 42 camping spots in the wilderness. 42 months in the wilderness of the great tribulation in the book of Revelation. Do you see what I'm trying to lay down? We cannot have just past yesterday belief. We cannot have, oh, tomorrow. It is about today if you hear his voice. Do I believe today? Will I make a change today? Will I stand on my square to today? Will I not be compelled to perform in mystery Babylon today? Belief today is what gives the supernatural traction. It's what separates the wheat from the chaff, what distinguishes reading Torah from living Torah. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I have squabbles with the missus. And do you know what my temptation is? To look back. Or to project forward. It's never good. But if I can just get delivered and see what I have today, man, that's where the power is. Everything back there and everything, it's all a bunch of fiction. And you miss what's right before your face. I mean, look at Johnny Depp. You can have all the riches in the world. 
You can have all the power, all the fame. But if you don't have a good wife, you've got nothing. I have a good wife, and I am a blessed man. The Ruach HaKodesh was given in the past. But the Ruach HaKodesh at Shavuot and today, the Shavuot is past, but today the Ruach HaKodesh is prepared to be poured out in your and mine hearts, in your and mine life, in our prayer life, reading the Psalms, reading the Proverbs. The Ruach HaKodesh and belief are always present with us. Action, activities to be taken possession of. It's in the now, it's in the here, it's an overcome. Overcoming my fear, overcoming uncertainty, overcoming doubt. Now, in a few, a few chapters ago, we saw how Caleb, when the spies were supposed to go into the land, all 12 tribes... Caleb quieted the people before Moshe in chapter 13. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. That was Caleb. Not we were in the past able to overcome it. Not, oh, well, let's have a cup of tea, think about it a little bit, and then we'll get on it and we'll be able to overcome it here in a bit. Nope, none of that. But there was a sense of urgency. It was faith in action. It was active, always pursuing, always pushing forward, always engaging and ready to be up for the challenge. True faith, true belief is always pursuing it is never stagnant. It can never be in the past and it can never project into the future because that is the realm of the devil. All of the stuff you did in the past and all of the things that you would like to imagine in the future, that's a bunch of nonsense. But today we pursue the faith that was once delivered from the saints and we are delivered from ourselves. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe in the wilderness of our lives is when he speaks to us. Numbers chapter 1 verse 1. We must ascend at once. In modern vernacular, Caleb would have said what? Charge! The charge of the light brigade, right? Charge right now. A sense of urgency. A sense of urgency we are at a season of new beginnings. Shavuot has just passed. We are in the season of harvest. This is Israel's juncture, and it was an opportunity for them to have a new beginning. Think about new beginnings and the time of this writing. We were in the second month. Look, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, in the second month. The second month is a period in the Hebrew calendar of new beginnings. If you miss Passover the first time, you were given a new opportunity to have the second Passover. A new beginning, a new opportunity of redemption. Oh, I'm not worthy. I failed. I should have. I should have. Oh, my goodness. Why didn't I accept the Lord when I was 14? For me, it would have been about 11. 
because my, all my trouble started then. I was actually quite a nice boy up until about 11 or 12. And then, oh my goodness, why didn't I then? But this is my second Passover, a new beginning. I mean, look at the historical examples of the second month and how it is a new beginning. There was devastation, missed opportunities. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the 17th month of the second day. Well, there was a massive catastrophe called a flood. And then there was a new beginning on the 17th day of the second month. In Genesis chapter 18, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 14, on the 27th day of the second month, the earth dried up and they were able to go out onto the land. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 1, on the 15th day of the second month, Israel departed from Elim into the wilderness, which was supposed to be a short journey, an opportunity. Then in Numbers, Bar Midbar, chapter 9, verse 11, we'll see on the 14th day of the second month, there is the institution of the second opportunity to come and sup and break the bread and partake of the Passover. Then in Numbers, Bar Midbar, chapter 10, verse 11, on the 20th day of the second month, you see that Israel left the desert, left the Sinai. Going into the prophets and the writings in 1 Kings, and in Second Chronicles, the second day of the second month is when what? There was a dedication of the temple, a new beginning. David couldn't do it, but Solomon could. It was a new opportunity. Things passed. No, there is a new beginning. So if you are struggling with yesteryear, yesterday, condemnation, today's a new beginning. It's a new opportunity. Grab it, take it, be active and present in your faith. Yahweh loves you and he wants you to persevere and he's with you. He's with his people and his love and his mercy is with you to get you out of all of that in the past that would condemn you and try and drag you back. In Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 8, in the second month, in the second year, after Babylonian captivity, 70 years of misery, Ezra rebuilt the temple. That was a new beginning. And it all comes down to that we have Moshiach, who is the head, the Rosh, if you will, the head, Rosh Hebrew, of the year. The new beginning itself. The head of the year, the head of everything. In chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Take a census of all the children of Israel. After their family, Mishpochah, after the houses of their fathers, with the number of their names, every male head by head, head by head. If you look at in the Hebrew, you get the Aleph Tav right here, the Aleph Tav. And the word in the Hebrew for head by head is, 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 is um, pronounced Gugelotum, Gugelotum. What does that sound? Head by head, Rosh, Gugelotum. Galgotha. The head of the skull, where all of Israel will be counted, where all mankind will be counted, where all of us are going to be numbered. Oh, there's a reconciliation and an accounting going on, and somebody's got a ledger of life. 
From twenty years old and upward, all that are able to go to war in Israel. You and Aaron shall number them by their divisions. And with you there shall be a man of every tribe, every one head of his house and his fathers. Verse 5. And these are the names of the men that shall stand with you. It goes on to a long list of names. Now in verse 17 it continues. And Moshe and Aaron took these men who were called by their names, and they assembled the entire congregation together on the first day of the second month, a new beginning. And they declared their ancestry by their families, Mishpachot, by the house of their fathers, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, head by head, Head by head, Golgotha, head by head. As Yahuwah commanded Moshe, so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. And the children of Reuben, Israel's eldest son, by their generations after their Mishpochah family, by the house of their fathers, or according to the number of their names, head by head, Gogelotum, Gogelotum, according to their number of their names, from twenty years old and upward, all that were able to go to war, those that were numbered of them, even of the tribe of Reuben, were 46,500. And of the children of Shimeon, for their generations after their Mishpochot family, by the house of their fathers, those that were numbered with them, according to the number of the names, head by head, Gogalotum, every male from 20 years old and upward. And all that were able to go out to war, those that were numbered of them, even of the tribe of Shimeon, were 59,300. Of the children of Gad, by their generations, after their families, by the house of their fathers, according to the number of their names, from 20 years old and upwards, from 20 years old and upwards. And many times people have written in to me over the years, and they've been in the book of Revelation, and they're like, how do we know which tribe we're from? If we're the 10 or the 12 tribes scattered abroad, you always greet us that way. How do we know? There's the numbering of the tribes and the calling. Well, just wait. If Yahweh numbers you on the first day, then you're of that tribe. If you're numbered on the second day, then you're of that tribe. And if you're numbered on the third tribe... It, the day that you're numbered, then go back to the book of Bar Midbar and you'll find which tribe you're from. Do not go to Ancestry.com. Okay? It's not about your DNA. It's not about genealogy. Give no heed to genealogies. There are neither male or female, slave or free. We are all one in Mashiach. Okay? Otherwise, you're going to get into all that Levitical hierarchy, chasing after DNA and chasing after genealogies. The genealogies, are, and then they'll have your DNA in their system, right? And then you'll really be messed up with Mystery Babylon, right? Whew. But we, when it talks about from 20 years old and up, what about before then? It's talking about how we raise our children that generation we are to train our children from the ground up just as an olive tree is to mature from the ground up and you see the picture in the book of isaiah when it talks in isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 about raising your children up planting them from 
in the ground because they crossed over from mystery Babylon, a rotten soil. You plant them in the Hebrew culture, which is better soil. They cross over, chavah, to become better and planted in Hebrew soil, which then brings forth a bountiful fruit. And the fruit is produced in this order. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Yeshay, a netzer, a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Ruach HaKodesh shall rest upon him. The Ruach of Chokmah and Binah, wisdom and understanding, the Ruach of counsel and might, the Ruach of knowledge and the fear of Yahuwah. And if you look at that, you have the central branch, and then you have three pillars on the left, three pillars on the right. And if you go, Hebrew, from right to left, you have the seven-branch menorah. And that's how you raise your children up, according to that. And the beginning of wisdom is the fear of Yahuwah. And with that, you light up the whole menorah and the symbol of our faith isn't the crucifix, it isn't the cross. According to the revelation, the symbol of our faith is the seven-branch menorah. So if you've got crucifixes and crosses and statutes of Jesus in your house, then do what Abraham did when he went into his father's house, terror, Go and smash some idols and bring in a seven-branch menorah into your house and light it on Shabbat and be blessed. And light it at the Moedim because Yahweh's got you covered in the light of the world, which is Yahusha. What I'm teaching today from the book of Numbers it is relevant to the New Testament church. Paul knew it was very relevant. Here's another example for, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. Again, he's speaking to a bunch of carnal Christians, if you will, okay, or carnal Corinthians. For the unbelieving husband, because what this is talking about as we go into this text is that your children under 20 years of age, or a lot younger than that, they are under the covering, there's an order, Meaning, Yahweh's got your children covered if you do your due diligence, which is to pursue him in the family. Look at this. For the unbelieving husband is set apart or covered by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is set apart or covered by the husband. This is called the doctrine of coverture. This is still something that is used in courts of law today, that the husband is allowed to speak for his wife. It's called coverture. It is my religious conviction that we must still do this in our homes. It's the act of coverture. You cover for your wife. You cover for your children. The unbelieving wife is covered by her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But they are not. They are holy. You see it, don't you? Isn't that powerful? Look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 31. You see it here. Your little ones who you said should be a prey, 
them I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you have despised. But as for you, your filthy little carcasses, well, I'm ad-libbing a little bit, your filthy carcasses shall be falling in the wilderness. What's Yahweh saying? I've got your children covered. Now, as for you, Lot, <laughs> you're on your own. You're above the age of accountability, and you should have known better. Look at Exodus, Shemot, chapter 30, verse 12. When you take the census of the children of Israel after their number, then you shall give every man a ransom for his being to Yahuwah. When you number them, then there shall be no virus among them. When, then, when you number them. We live in a day and age of mutant viruses everywhere. What better time ever to be numbered with Yahuwah rather to be a part of their mystery Babylon's numbering statistics, which is a fiction, which is a lie, which is from Lucifer himself. Oh, the numbers are up. Oh, have you seen the numbers? Their numbering system is baloney. It's full of pork. It's totally full of pork. It changes like the tide. Yahweh's number system, Bar Midbar, is set. It is established for the redeemed. Choose this day who you shall serve. I see more and more of Yahuwah every day as I see more and more evil raising up it is this world is a counterfeit essay tang can do nothing but counterfeit the truth i study the true gem and then i conceal the counterfeits i'm not studying counterfeits i don't need to i just study the true gem and then when a counterfeit comes along i go ping i can spot it a mile away Verse 13, this they shall give everyone that passes among them that are numbered, half a shekel after the shekel of the holy place. This is a shekel of 20 giras. This is substance, brethren. And that's how the world is supposed to operate. Think about this. I want to buy a pint of milk. Milk has substance. Therefore, I give you silver, which is substance, because it took energy and labor to mine it out of the ground, and there is an exchange. I exchange one substance for another substance. Is there an increase? Is there tax? There's no increase. It was an exchange. Substance for substance. Oh, says Lucifer. How about I get rid of the substance and then I create a colorable system, which then would need a colorable law to administer it, which then I could take everybody captive. Because now... I want a pint of milk, substance, and I give a piece of paper and I give something of no substance 
for something of substance. What is that? Did I pay for that milk? Did I? No. It's a fiction. And that is the way the world lives, without question. But in reality of the Bible, this is not according to Torah, the true law, the superior law from the Creator. And those that are His will come out of that fictional system and they will begin just to exchange substance for substance. A man is worthy of the hire. You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the standing grain. You and I are supposed to be the beneficiaries of our labor. And if you exchange a substance for substance, there is no increase. Therefore, there is no taxable event. It's all about taxes to mystery Babylon. Yahuwah's system is so much better because it's the true Torah. The law of Yahuwah is perfect and it saves the soul. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, we are coming to the day where, behold, I hear the voice of one crying out in the Bamidbar, the wilderness. It's the spirit of Elijah that is descending upon me. The spirit of Elijah that is descending upon you in the wilderness of the exile of mystery Babylon where we are. That is the spirit of Elijah that comes upon us at the end of the age. And it is the expectation of this spirit of Elijah that should influence our children. Why? Because the Bible says so. Behold, I will send to you Elijah the prophet, Malachi chapter 4, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of Yahuwah, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. It's all going to be about families. Families. Family connection. The family of faith. We are family. We are closer than family because the blood that binds us is the blood of Mashiach. A tender-hearted family culture is the key. That's what the redemption of the firstborn is about. Pigeon Haben in the Hebrew. Look it up. Look it up. Pigeon Haben. If you have a young firstborn male, then you should redeem him. And you can do it any time. After 30 days, and you're like, oh, I should have done it years ago. Well, do it today. Do it today. Well, the day is at hand. Look at um, Numbers chapter 3, verse 12. See, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of the firstborn, the Bachor. I told you I'd give you the, the interpretation of that word. Instead of the Bachor, the firstborn, the Peter, the Peter, the womb. Petah, the womb. In your Bible, some of your Bibles, it says the matrix. It says the matrix. 
or I'm going to go into the matrix now or down the rabbit hole because I think it's about that time. And I like to do a little bit every week, especially when we get to this portion of the matrix, the petra, the womb, the firstborn opening the womb. I mean, there's so much here. So bear with me on this little trail that I take you down. Petra is spelt in the Hebrew pay tet resh. Look it up right now on your Bibles if you've got your computer software. Peter. It's really Petter, right? Petter, Petter. I know that's not what the Christian church would have you say, right? Petter, one who opens or breaks forth. What did Peter do? He was the one that opened the break forth the way for Israel to come back into the new covenant. Did Peter break forth? Did Yahushua choose Peter to break forth out of the womb? For sure and for certain. That's why he was named Pei Tet Resh. It's really not Peter. It's the however you pronounce that in the Hebrew. Yahushua's first Talmudim, first disciple. He was the one that opened the womb to renewed covenant Israel, or better, new covenant Israel. When did he do it? At Shavuot. With the immersion of 3,000, so they wouldn't have to spend 40, 40 years in the wilderness because 3,000 were slaughters. Yahuwah allowed renewal to begin by the breaching, breaking forth from the Petr, the Pei Tet Resh. Now, yes, in the Greek it means rock, but in Hebrew it means to bust out of the matrix. So I will not be offended if you call me Peter. Because I'm all about busting out of the matrix. To be awakened to what's really going on. To come out of the matrix. Well, here we go then. Because this is how we'll conclude today's Torah portion. Bear with me as we go down the rabbit hole. Look, just as the firstborn needed to be redeemed, back to Yahweh, today, brethren, today, if you hear his voice, as in the days in the Bamidbar, like no other, you and I need not only to be spiritually redeemed. Of course we need to be spiritually redeemed. That's obvious. You are a sinner. You are rotten. I am rotten. And we are going to hell on the fast express of Satan unless we repent and we need to be spiritually redeemed. And that's where most people leave it. But no, brethren, we live in a natural world. I've got skin and flesh. I have a responsibility to match my spiritual redemption with my physical walk because if not, I am double dipping. I am lukewarm. I've got one foot over here and another. I'm saying I'm spiritual, but you can say you're spiritual all you want, and you can fly high in the clouds. But it's the substance of the matter, is it not? If the substance of everything you do is natural, partaking of mystery Babylon, then really are you spiritual? I wonder. I wonder. Because they should surely match. Shouldn't our walk match our spiritual redemption? If I was redeemed in the spirit, shouldn't my natural life also be redeemed? 
if I'm taking the steps every day to sanctify myself spiritually, shouldn't I be taking active steps to sanctify myself in the world from the world? These are the questions I'm posing. We need to think. Let me break it down to you. Or I could just sit down. Oh, God. Now this, you see, I, I do. These things just go through my mind and I'm in the Word. And I could be all spiritual. This is a birthing process. Peta, Petet Resh, the Matrix. It's a birthing process. Everything is commercial. Everything is commercial. And if a birthing process, everything that we're dealing with today in Revelation, in Mystery Babylon, what's its origin? Shipping. Shipping. What do I mean? When cargo, back in the day, I want you to have ears to hear and eyes to see, because I'm going to speak spiritually, but I'm talking about the natural. You have to make the connection to bust out of the matrix, to be the Peter, to be the Peter. Everything's about shipping, because when cargo was sent back in the day from harbor to harbor, from sea to sea, from sea to sea, laws had to be created to control merchant commerce. And that merchant commerce was on the high seas. A ship is a vessel that docks onto the shore where it is called a birthed vessel. And now it's spelt differently, but it's B-E-R-T-H-E-D. But phonetically, it sounds the same as birthed, B-I-R-T-H-E-D. Because the English language, this is going to offend some of you, it's the devil's language. Hebrew is Yahweh's language. The English language, and I use this word deliberately, is tricky. Any of you that speak foreign languages, you will know that the English language makes no blooming sense. We say love for, you know, like, I love my wife. Oh, I love my shoes. Oh, what, you know, I love that car. I mean, it makes no sense. It's magic. And I use that word deliberately. It is trickery. And here we go. Shipping, cargoes, sea to sea, laws had to be created to control the merchant commerce on the high seas. A ship being a vessel that docks onto a shore where it is a then a birthed vessel. It's spelt differently, but phonetically it's the same. Birthed with an I or birthed with an E, it's the same thing. Now, before the crew can disembark or unload the cargo of the birthed vessel onto the dock, what do they have to show? 
they have to show a certificate of manifest to the doc operator. They have to show before they can unload the cargo out of the vessel, they have to show a certificate of manifest to the dock operator, known as the docker. The docker. Are you getting what I'm laying down here? A certificate of manifest is a document that has information on it about the product, e.g. a a registration number, the country of origin, the name of the vessel which carried it, the name of the one who loaded it, if you will, fathers, onto the vessel, Did the man see, load the cargo onto the vessel, which is the woman that houses the cargo on the waters of amniotic fluid where it floats until it comes to be birth? This is all created in the English language to entrap and ensnare a gullible people. Then, a certificate of manifest is provided. It's called a birth certificate. And in Mystery Babylon's sick logic, and this is Mystery Babylon's sick logic, you and I, because we were floating, this is, this is Satan's corrupt thinking, just because you and I were floating in amniotic fluid, Therefore, we can be docked or charged under an international admiralty maritime commercial charging instrument presented by any statutory law merchant. That's what they've whitewashed into today's statutes. And if any of you get charged, where are you brought? To a dock. Are you not? where the charging instrument is brought before you. Meaning, all these constitutional arguments, all these common law arguments that people bring up, is nonsense. It's irrelevant. We are not in a constitutional republic anymore. We are in end-time mystery Babylon, run by Lucifer's statutory law merchants. Everything is commercial. Everything is commercial, period. Erie versus Railroad, which is a case, proves that. Criminal is commercial. Everything is commercial. Why? Because you're in Mystery Babylon, and you're under the law of statutory law merchants, which is international admiralty and maritime, because you've been put into that system which means it can be in rem, they can charge things. That's like, how can a car be charged? It's a car, it's a bloody inanimate object. Right? That's called in rem jurisdiction over the thing. And then they bring the thing in, and then they're looking, where's the surety for the thing? Oh, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, 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 I'm the one that, yeah, I registered it, yeah. (laughs) You did what? 
You registered the thing, so now you're the surety for the thing. Gotcha. Housing, warehousing, put him in there, boom. And we all do it. Well, it's the law. The law of what? Whose law? Oh, the statutory law merchants? Do you have to do it? No. But you're compelled to do it, thinking you have to do it. Yahweh's people don't have to do any of that if they can come out of her. But when you double dip, you do. And you will be held accountable to your contracts because that's one thing the Constitution does allow. The right to contract. Meaning, Mystery Babylon will be looking to contract with you all day long in any single way. And if they can dupe you into doing it by an unrevealed contract, and then they go, oh, yeah, we'll, go, we'll get the in-rem jurisdiction on the thing, and then we'll just look for the surety, the one that registered the thing. And then forget the thing. We've got the surety now. And that's the whole Mystery Babylonian system. It's a fiction. But it's real if you partake of it. Never get caught up in a public argument. Because that's how the whole... Don't get involved in a public controversy. Avoid it at all costs. Ships. Think about it. Ships and shipping. What's the key here? Citizenship. What does that mean? That means you're a citizen of a... Ship. Well, what's the ship? That would be the United States Corporation, 10 square miles. There's something, there's a registration to that ship and a shipping manifest. It's called the social security number that ties you to the ship, which then means that that ship has ownership over you as its cargo, as a citizenship. If you are a citizen of a ship, it means you're the under the jurisdiction of International Admiralty Maritime, which is always commercial because it operates on the high seas. Now think about this. In 1933 and the implementation of the Social Security number, you do realize that Social Security, FICA, is an actual maritime insurance policy? It's a maritime insurance policy. And if you have insurance on a vehicle, you've just given them prima facie evidence that you are in a mar operating in maritime because it's maritime. And we're, everyone's going into courts and arguing about the Constitution and the common law. It's baloney. How do I know? Because <laughs> I've done it. It's fruitless. It's a bunch of nonsense. Gets you nowhere, but in dishonor and major trouble. FICA is a maritime insurance policy. It's a contract that ties all parties to the ship. Citizenship. With a docking number. Allowing statutory law merchants operating in the seas of commerce to grab you. Oh, but you said it's operating in the seas of commerce, Matthew. But I live on the land. Oh, yeah. But Congress 
the dragon, because Congress is the dragon, you do realize that, Congress is the dragon that in 1996, no, not 1996, 1966, empowered the beast to come onto the land. That's why it's happening on the land. Everything that used to be maritime and admiralty and international, Congress empowered it in 1966 to come up onto the land. Isn't, I'm sure I've, where did I read that? Have you read that anywhere? I think I read, maybe, would it be in the book of Revelation? Maybe in the 13th chapter? And he stood upon the sand of the sea and I saw a beast coming out of the sea having ten horns and seven heads and on his horns ten diadems and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. Look, the seven heads refer to the G7 nations. And the three extra are the horns that join them, which are Russia, India and China. Okay, that's my opinion. You can take it if you want or not, but that's what I believe. The word birth phonetically is birth, whether it's B-E-R-T-H or B-I-R-T-H. It is a process of delivering cargo from a vessel, a ship to the dock. If Mystery Babylon wants to charge you with anything, she brings you to a a dock where you appear before the dock. Because this is the system which everybody's been raised in as normal. It's not normal, brethren. It's not normal. The apostles would have never put up with any of this nonsense. Delivering cargo from a vessel, right? Currency. Currency. Think about this. I think we went, we broke for a bit. Admiralty, no? We're good now? Admiralty, oh, you want me to back up? By one minute. I don't know how far to back up, but I will. Beep, 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 beep. Backing up, backing up. Well, think about it. Delivering cargo from a vessel to a ship, the cargo is delivered to a docker which is where we get docker or dock operator, a doctor down a canal, a birth canal where ships go carrying the Panama Canal, the birth. The English language is trickery, truly trickery, isn't it? Why do you think it's called a delivery room? Satan's minions, they've tricked us into agreeing to be a product of a ship so that they can control us. And it's all through consent and compelled performance now that product that is created in the delivery room is called an artificial person it's now a commodity to be traded and trafficked and it's given a QCIP number There's a number on the, begin- on the front of a social security and then there's a number on the back. And you can track all this and it's all being traded as a security with a QCIP number attached to it. It's a mind bomb. 
Now, admiralty is also known as the law of money because it's current sea. Currency. Currency. It's wicked as hell, isn't it? It's right in your face. Currency. But also, think about a current. What is a current? It's an electrical charge, a charging instrument. That's what happens. And if, if someone's going to jail or if someone's going to be brought before a judge, there's a charging instrument, right? And then people go, oh, I'm going to go in and, and fight with the Constitution and common law. And, oh, I need a corpus delecti because where is, where's, the damage per, where's the damage party? There's no... Uh-uh. It's all commercial. All those arguments are a bunch of, t- a bunch of hooey. They'll never work. It's all commerce. Everything's commercial. When you realize that, then you don't perform commercially with her. And then she doesn't know what to do. Because that's all that she can operate as, a commercial entity. And if you're not operating in commerce as an artificial person, then she can't dock you in. But substance is what is the matter here, is that we haven't learned how to live out the substance of our faith. We've been born again, yes, but we're living with a foreign substance. But we're supposed to be foreign to Mystery Babylon, which means that we live under a different substance. Our actions and what we do should be distinctly different. Now think about this. If there's a currency and you wonder why in the, in the movie The Matrix, they, this is where it all comes from. You know, they're, they're batteries, aren't they? that charge the matrix, because it's a charge, it's an energy source. Now, in your mother's womb, it was the umbilical cord that connected you to her, right? The vessel. It was the umbilical cord that connected you to the vessel. And it's connected to your what? Navel. Phonetically, it's the same as Navy, Naval, International Admiralty and Maritime, meaning it's relating to shipping. It's all about ships, the military of the sea. Because you're under military law. Oh, well, one day, I used to think this. One day, well, when we're, when military, no, 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 no. We are under military law. We have been since 1933. There's no when, or when tribulation comes, we're going to be under military. No, we are under military law. For 89 years, you just grew up in it and never questioned it. 89 years, we have not had the republic. We have been under military law. We are under the law of the law merchants, international admiralty, maritime law merchants. It's international banking. Everything's Commerce, there is no money. Huh? That's where the core of power is at? The War Powers Act, thank you so much. The Matrix, the Naval. You were a vessel floating in amniotic fluid, birthed through a canal, more shipping, docked into the hands of a docker or doc or doctor. Well, what is or? 
What is or? A doctor, yeah, or rose a vessel, but phonetically or is a metal bearing mineral or rock or native metal that can be mined, harvested at a profit creating any. Oh my goodness. Do you see why it is so difficult to be me? Oh my goodness, life was so much easier before I knew this to him who has knowledge. Where, what is the psalm? Where, where, I read it just recently. It is a burden because you can't unknow it. And then it's everywhere. It's everywhere. You and I represent the ore. Give me that bloody cell phone with its ore mineral battery. That's Mystery Babylon calling you right now. We represent the ore because we are the battery that is used as energy to power the artificial matrix. Right? And without your power, can you believe this guy in his phone? Without your power, the artificial matrix will collapse. What does the book of Revelation say? In a day. In a day. Now, all right, he just gets, I'm just, I'm, we're in the wormhole. Let's just continue. Hospital for it, for crying out loud. Where does hospital come from? The Knights Hospitalia. The Knights Templar. And who were they? They were the private army of the Vatican. And what was their symbol? Oh, everybody, why don't we come down to the Red Cross station and get some vaccinations? It's going to be really good for you. Keep you safe. Red Cross, it's free. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Compel you to perform to that one, shall we? This is Vatican operated. <laughs> it is a religious Vatican. Financial, the Queen of England, the city the Bank of England, and it is political. Ten square miles, that is the size of the vessel. Ten square miles, the United States Corporation. But Congress, the dragon, empowered the beast to come out of the oceans and for that law to operate on the land in 1966, and all they need to do is make sure that that vessel, the ship, with all of its cargo, goes through a proper docking process with a manifest of origin of all cargo into the dock or into the night's hospitalia, in the delivery bloody room and get you to partake of all that nonsense and they will charge that energy battery up into the securities market for the rest of your life and there is one thing that connects you to that shipping matrix and it is a number that brings you into that jurisdiction of 10 square miles that is everywhere that then proceeds over the whole land because it drags you back into the 10 square miles, the ship. And then you're saying, oh, no, I'm not. No, no, I'm spiritual. I'm of God. No, I'm. But your substance 
your sub, everything you're doing. Everything. You're registering here, you're signing this. It's, it's all, it's all trekked back to the beast and the dragon. Everything. And I'll conclude with this word, pigeon harben. Pigeon harben. It's a ceremony. And it's the redemption of the firstborn, where you take substance, silver coins. And I literally did this on the 33rd day of my son's life, on my back deck. And I took another believer, a Cohen, a priest, after the order of Malkitetic, and I gave him substance for substance, my son, and redeemed him, just as the Bible says. But we can do this, and you can do this any time after 30 days. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not to your hearts to what I'm saying. I know it's a little bit conspiratory, and you're not used to hearing this type of thing. Well, you are if you tune into Torah to the tribes, <laughs> and if you know me. But harden not your hearts. For if Yahushua had not given us rest from these pirates, from these traffickers, from these ship merchants, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? Because, brethren, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, the general assembly, the kahal, the ecclesia, the church, if you will, the called out assembly, we're supposed to be the assembly of the firstborn, which means we're supposed to be redeemed with substance, and we're supposed to redeem substance with substance. And then there is no taxable increase, and we exchange with one another with substance for substance, and you are no longer attached to the shipping vessel because your substance is proving it. The firstborn which are written in heaven and the Elohim, he's the judge of all. And to the spirits of just man made perfect, we must perfect our redemption. And I think that means that we come out of her, my people. That's my belief. And that's how I'm going to live. And that's what I am pursuing. And have I perfected it? No. But I tell you what, I'm into finding out more about it. And I am into challenging, not arguing, and questioning everything. Because I believe she's falling, and I believe that I am going to be able to plunder her and enrich the whole house of Israel. Because we're coming into the millennium, and I am looking forward to the day when I can turn off the water to Mystery Babylon. And you'll be able to do it too, unless they repent. Think about that, right? Wow. Let's have a look and see if you're still hanging loose. There's a couple of goose. And if you want me to even grab your attention, then please redline me. Please redline me um, in the chat. That's my introduction to the book of Bar Midbar. Bar Midbar, the book of numbers in the wilderness. Yes, I went down a conspiratory tangent. But I think if you look into that and you look into um, what I was saying, you will find it quite enlightening. Quite enlightening, isn't it?
Baruch Hashem Yahweh. Drew, Shabbat Shalom, Drew. Patent number six zero. No, zero six zero six zero six. Tell us, Drew, what is that patent number? Are you back in the land? Baruch Hashem Yahweh. I'm going to read some Drew right here. I saw. I see you back. I see you back. You said something more. Yeah, exactly, Grandpa. Gold fringe is a dead man's flag. Interesting. Very good. The crazy thing, the last two days I have had sea shanties stuck in my head. Makes sense now. <laughs> uh, Drew, I have the video of the Pope kissing the hand of Kissinger. Wow, see? It's all a circus for the masses asleep on the Titanic. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Well, thank you. See, Libby always brings it back to the sobriety of the word. I like that. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the being, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both being and body in Gehenon. Thank you, sister. Baruch Hashem Yahweh. Your words are like healing balm every time I read them. Keith Bernard, if you refuse to enter in compel, into a compel contract, they'll hit you with a contempt charge. No, not necessarily. It's only if you've already signed that contract um, and you would need to rescission it. And then when you do get a contempt charge, they'll ask you to sign something. Then if you sign that, then you will be in contempt. And if you refuse to sign it, you'll also be into contempt. But there's something else that you can do that then makes it um, non-contempt. So, yeah, you're right. But for a contempt charge, they'll always, always issue you a docket. They'll always paper you. They have to. And then they'll say you have to sign it, which is compel performance. And then people do sign it. That Then there's the contract. And then off to jail you go. Then if you refuse to sign it, then you dishonored the presentment, which is also off the jail you go. So therefore, you are going to jail. But there's another way. It's called the narrow way that re leads to life. For instance, somebody gets a traffic ticket. These are the three things that you, have, you get to do. Option number one, pay the fine. There is no money. Option number two, plead guilty. Option number three, plead not guilty. There's a fourth option. Option number four, plead no contest. So everybody goes with one of the four. All four of them, you are sunk. I'll take the fifth option, please. Yeah, the one that you didn't put on the paper. Just like I'll take the other option. Take the option that's not offered, that's free and available to all who are living souls. It's all fictional, paper commercial realm. So 
So, yes. And take it from me. I have a contempt charge in the past. And I've been threatened with it many a time because I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> right? And, and people don't like that. They don't like questions. Questions, you know, you're compelling somebody else to perform. They're not used to that. He who is asking is as king. Because it's all chess. It's just a chess game. It's just a chess game. Everything's chess. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Chris De La Rosa, if you know the laws and become a private citizen, then you can stand against them. You till them, you're just a slave. You can't stand against them at a private citizen. It's irrelevant. It's a, it's an, it's a, you've just entered into a public controversy. doesn't matter. The substance is that you'll be, you're showing them substance. They don't care. You can have all of this status correction. It's a bunch of hooey. It's nonsense. Believe me, I know, I've tried. It doesn't work. It's all a bunch of fiction. Everything's commercial. Larry Peterson, Revelation 18.23, For your merchants are the greatest of the world, and you deceive the nations with your sorceries. The English language is sorcery. It's witchcraft. It's to get you under a spell. That's what I try to explain. You just surmised it perfectly, summarized it perfectly, because Yahweh did. See, Yahweh is so perfect, he can take one verse. It took me an hour, right? Crying out loud. Child of Yahweh. That's maybe why the Pope seats at the UN as the Holy See. Of course, the Holy See. As in S-E-A. He owns everything in the sea. And now, because Congress empowered the beast to come up onto the land in 1966... It doesn't matter whether you're on the land or in the sea. You are a commodity. Ezekiel chapter 28. Satan, the dark robe ones, traffic and trade in the souls of men. The Matrix is a true story. The movie. It's true. It really is true. Oh. Truth, like Velcro, says this. Long ago, I got a fine in court and was supposed to go to the window to sign up for a payment plan. And I was so excited I didn't go to jail. I forgot to go to the window, never signed, never got arrested. And signature gets you every time. James chapter 4, verse 12, from the Tennessee Rambler. Weber, W-E-B-A, only one is the lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge another? Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Oh, a lot of you are just, um, a, a lot, of, lot of talking, yeah. Good stuff. Emissary of Elohim, when no contract can be, be, be produced, ask for the remedy. Thank you, yes. 
Jericho, Shabbat Shalom, Jericho, Micah. Hey, it's me, Jericho. I just wanted to say Shabbat Shalom. I hope your Shabbat is doing good. Well, Jericho, blessed Shabbat to you, and thank you for tuning in again. Love to see the youth um, be a part of the congregation. Shabbat Shalom, Debbie Hill. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in Satan's marine kingdom. It is. It is all spiritual. Everything's spiritual, yes. Spiritual warfare. But we do have to physically walk it out. That's the thing. So there is that balance. There is that balance. It's amazing. Hmm. Charles, Charles Hernandez, so no English and disconnect from all utilities and no currency exchange. That would, that's, that's a very, that would be so simple. But, you know, as you can see, my, my grasp of any other foreign language is very nominal. So I'm stuck with English, um, unfortunately. <laughs> Sean Allen Vickers, you're all volunteers. Of course, everything's voluntary. Everything's voluntary. We all volunteered because we didn't know different. We didn't know better. Joel Johnson, have a group that would like to come visit. What city are you located? We are currently in um, Salem, Oregon. Um, Megan W, schools, hospitals, nursing homes, they're all another prison system. I would totally, totally agree with that. Totally agree with that and avoid them like the plague, if at all possible, if at all possible. You know, sometimes if, you know, you're going, you have to be careful though, don't you? You really do. Oh my goodness. Well, I hope that that was a, a good introduction for you. Yes, question. Well, again, she's, you know, she is the queen of Mystery Babylon, okay? The queen of Mystery Babylon, and she is the commerce clause of it, which is the Bank of England, whereas the Pope is the, if you will, the priest of Mystery Babylon and is the priest of its black robe satanic minions that is the spiritual, spiritual aspect of it. And then the president doesn't matter, Republican or Democrat. It's uh, two different sides of the same Babylonian coin, is the king of mystery Babylon, which is the war machine, the war machine. Because when in war, you can print to your hearts galore which keeps the whole ship afloat even if she's hit an iceberg. Let's start printing, 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 printing. The more we print with the war machine, so the war machine is what keeps the whole thing going. That's why the United States has been at peace for 25 years since its inception. And that's why the flag is a war flag. So, you know, those of you that are flying the American flag, you know, I would not trample the flag, that would be dishonorable, but you are flying a war flag, so you're actually now become a belligerent combatant, an enemy combatant. 
It's a war flag. So there is a flag of peace, which is different. So I'm, um, anyway. Oh, my goodness. This was Torah portion bar midbar, and I took us down the wormhole of the wilderness in which we are currently living in. But I tell you, Yahweh will deliver us very swiftly. Now that we have the awakening, we can start to come out of her, my people, and we'll be in the promised land before you know it. Our redemption draws nigh, and we are at the end of the age. And all of this is prophesied, so don't be overwhelmed. Some of you will be like, well, how do I do it? How do I do it? Well, listen to the words of the scripture that Libby put up there. Okay, to just give us pause. It's okay. It's okay. Because some of us are paving the way so that you don't have to do all the hard work. And if that means that I have to be put in the fire, and that means that I have to get some affliction, that means I have to be hard-pressed, that means then, you know what, that's what it is. I'm used to it. That's the way it has been for a long time in my life. Many of you never had to go into the Judaic hyper-messianic because people like me and others before me that helped me paved the way to make it easier. And people paved the way to make it easier for me, but it wasn't that easy. So I hope that if you're understanding the Malkitzedic priesthood and the difference between the book of the law and the book of the covenant, your whole embracing of the Torah should be light and easy. It's a yoke on Yahushua rather than a yoke on the Messianics, Judaism, or the Levitical hierarchy. Likewise, now as we start to reveal how to come out of Mystery Babylon, some of us are implementing the structures on how to come out of her. And we'll be able to help other people down the road. So don't panic. Stay cool. Stay calm. There's many of us out there that are paving the way and navigating out of the seas to help you and to help your family and to help your children too. Remember, everything's commercial and we have the remedy. Blessings unto you. In the mighty name of Yahushua. And everybody said, Amen. Please subscribe to the ministry channel. Stick some comments in the comment section. And if you're so generous that you would donate, it is so much appreciated. Remember, every Shabbat, we've got Shabbat fellowship. And every Shabbat, we're usually here. But possibly taking a break coming up soon. But I'll keep you posted. You can always check over on our Facebook page. Shabbat Shalom.